So there are just things as I get to love myself more, to understand myself more, again, to become more of the person that I am, uncovering more of the person that I am. Yeah. I do notice that there are more and more things that I'm less and less willing to do to please others. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 24 of the Dig New Streams podcast. I'm your host, Dave Capozzi, and on the podcast this week, I have my oldest friend, my brother, Manny Andrade. Uh, Manny and I go way back, all the way to high school. We were in a band together, and there is an episode on that history. Uh, We were in a band called Plano East with my brother, James. And this time, I just felt like it was important to hear from Manny uh, because his voice, his thoughts, the way that he just views the world is something that I really admire and something that I've really found so valuable over the last five to six years as I've been growing as a person. Uh, Manny is a master's level therapist um, or clinician, and he just lives out in his work and in his life the ways that he is trying to operate. Uh, within himself. So I just found this conversation, as I do every conversation I have with Manny, so life-giving and so valuable. I think you will too. Uh, As always, if you want to keep up with the podcast to see some video excerpts of the conversations I'm having, you can follow on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at dignewstreams underscore podcast. And without further ado, my conversation with Manny Andrade. I understand now your stress about like, wait a second, I'm, I don't want to just ramble on about right, so like, right. I kind of have some ideas. <laughs> no, that's totally like I have that. When I do that, yeah. it really irritates my own self because I know I'm not going to get to the bottom of the idea if I try to ramble through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually, what will happen is I'll get further away from what I was trying to say. So, like, there's yeah. still this thing that stresses me out about just um, being succinct you know, not straying too far from what I was trying to say because my mind wants to go to all sorts of like weird places that'll remind me of something else. Yes. And then now I'm tangential. And then like, I've done this a million times with you, but you know, with yeah. you, it's easy. It's just, what, what was the question again? Right, what were we just talking about? Stream of consciousness. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which is a beautiful thing. Like yeah. it, we both are able to follow each other down these streams and rabbit holes and all this. But when you're trying to convey an idea, you want it to have like a, a cohesive argument. I remember thinking this when I was first getting into preaching that I'm like, if you can't say what you mean to say after 40 hours, you've had a week of planning at least. Mm-hmm. If you can say what you need to say in 15 minutes, I don't believe that you're a public speaker. Right. <laughs> I don't believe you have yeah. those. And that was like my judgments going into it. Obviously, a lot of things, a lot of things need more context and whatever. But I like the idea of speaking succinctly, mm-hmm. getting across what you want to say, and going from there. And in that way, people have a, ch- a chance for a back and forth, mm-hmm. you know. But that's behind the, the curtain a little bit because 
I prefer the stream of consciousness thing. Yeah, talking. Like, I like talking through things. Yeah. It's just when someone else is watching it, <laughs> it makes me like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Because I know what I need to say in order to get to the idea that I want to say. Yeah. And yeah, I don't yeah. want anyone, like, necessarily viewing that part that of process. it. But it's so important. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's like you said, that's this type of thing. Like, when you're watching a good public speaker, you don't realize the 40 hours. Exactly. You know what I mean? But, like, you know, maybe... Maybe some lucky people can do that like on the fly, but there's a lot of time to sort of break down in ideas, right. distill it, frame it in a way that others can understand, make sure yep. you fully understand what you're trying to say. Yep. And no one sees that part of it. You see right. the great speaker or the right. mediocre speaker or whatever else. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. If you're starting, you're spending a lot of time with the subject. I remember my sermons, once I would eventually give them, would be like the seventh draft. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're cutting stuff. You're like, ah, oh, that doesn't flow or something like that but yeah so that's like one of the things that we were wrestling with is not necessarily what are we going to talk about we could talk about anything Mm because we've talked about everything Mm -hmm. but what is something that is consistently something that we've talked about and that's Mm -hmm. impactful and i remember you saying this was months ago when i proposed or floated the idea of you being on the podcast you said something about your father who told you when you were going to get married about like it's a risk Mm -hmm. you know he gave you kind of a little pep talk Mm -hmm. do you mind sharing that what that was about and um how that sort of shaped the way you view relationships and love Mm -hmm. and you know all that now yeah so (laughs) um yeah i met my wife um and it was it was one of these stories that you don't believe unless or until it happens to you that you know i knew she was my person Mm. i knew she was my person um and there's no amount of confidence that i could have had in knowing that she was my person that wasn't also going to keep me from being like totally petrified that like (laughs) am i gonna get married am i gonna ask her to get married right like so i'm i'm totally nervous and scared about this whole thing i met someone that i actually would want to marry and now what do i do with this yeah so um i was sitting with that for a little while and then um you know i wanted to talk to my dad about it he's the wisest person i know he's very quiet Mm -hmm. um but he's super duper wise and i wanted to let him know what was going on and what I was thinking. Um, so we were out to lunch one day um, and I'm telling him, um, he's met her at this point, obviously, but like I was just talking to him. And I'm like, I think I, I want to marry her mm. um, and let him sort of respond to that, which he did, <laughs> you know, briefly um, and wisely. Yeah. And so he said his little thing that, you know, he liked her um, a lot. And, he, you know, the advice that he gave specifically for me to to about marriage was that you know marriage is a really beautiful thing and also it comes with a lot of risk yeah right and and those two things just go together right man which like is not really i think what you hear often right it is um maybe people say it i've never heard someone say it's a risk Mm -hmm. because there's something about doing the marriage thing that's about security Mm -hmm. it's the opposite Mm -hmm. it's about well now we're under each other's control, mm-hmm. right? Which we talked about is the opposite of risk. It's once I've, once I've, um, you've said yes to me and I've said yes to you. Mm-hmm. You're mine, I'm yours. Mm-hmm. And in the tradition that we were brought up in, it's like literally mm-hmm. one, two bodies become one. Mm-hmm. And so now we're under each other's control. Risk, mm-hmm. what's the risk? Mm-hmm. 
Like, so when he said that, did you, did you have that reaction or did it make sense to you? No. <clears throat> My reaction was pre him saying that, mm. believing the tradition that we came up with yeah, first. Right, That's right. what was scaring me. Yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah. gosh. Like I'm supposed to marry this person and then it's just, it's supposed to be, it doesn't feel like that's true. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. feel like it's true that I'm going to marry somebody for the rest of our lives right. and, and we just have each other always. Yeah. And so wow. what I didn't hear was the other perspective that my dad gave me at the time, which is like, no, gotcha. no, 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 no. It's beautiful. Mm. Just understand. Yeah. There's a lot of risk and a lot that comes along with the beauty. Yeah. And that is, in, I mean, that calmed my nerves wow, so completely about the whole thing because the pressure would like, I have to be the perfect husband for her. I have to do everything for her. I have to provide everything for her. I have to right. make sure everything for her is great. And like, that's what I was writing. Like, can I live up to yeah. being a really good husband yeah. to another person? Right. And, wow. you know, when he sort of gave me that advice, it was like, you know, all right, like relax. Like, yeah, mm. there's a lot of beauty that's going to come in with it and nice. it's going to be crappy sometimes. Mm. That's that's how I internalized it. The risk yeah. was like, it's not always going to be beautiful. Right. It's a beautiful thing and there's like a lot of others, but you get to do it with another person. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's funny because that, that would might, might've shook me instead of giving me security. Mm -hmm. like, wait, what, what am I, I thought that what I was doing was was getting rid of the whole risk thing, you know, by mm -hmm. getting married. And I, the more that I think about life in general and, you know, we've got this, we've got these 70, 90 years, maybe if we're, if we live a long time, but we know there's an end. We know that there's, there's finality to it. It's, there's something about that knowledge that makes us like strive for something in this life. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that was true for you in hearing about the risk. Like there, okay, there's, there's risk here. So I'm going to bring myself in a way that maybe I wouldn't if I thought it was secure. Or is that not, again, like, is that missing the mark on it too? Um, yeah, I think what that whole idea opened up for me um, and it, it's it's not as as deep as you were just um, explaining. It just it just wasn't. It was just like it's okay. Um, what I heard was, you can get married, and screw up. You can get married, and she may screw up. Yeah. You can get married, and it's not always going to be pressure filled. Like you have to constantly one up yourself to make sure that you're maintaining in some way. I love that. Um, you can be married to a person and it's, you know, it doesn't have to be this drastically, you don't have to be this other person, this otherworldly yeah. perfect being. That's what I heard. I love that. That's, that's exactly, I think that's phenomenal advice. I think, um, to hear that from someone who's lived a long time that you, you know, have watched, and that you admire, see, like, this is the thing that maybe people are missing in their marriages. Mm -hmm. That idea that I I not only can, but will screw up. She not only can, but will screw up. And, you know, that circumstance um, is freeing in some way. Mm -hmm. Because then you give space to each other to be human mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. still to choose one another. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. think choice is in there, too. Yeah. You know, right? A hundred percent. And that is the word freeing. Yeah. Right. Like less tense, less anxiety ridden, less um, 
you know, pressure filled. Yeah. It's like, it's just not like, yeah, like you found your person and so go be with her and it's yeah. going to be good sometimes and it's going to be rocky sometimes. Right. If you can peel your back yourself back from the whole situation and look at it in totality, it's going to be beautiful. Right. But, you know, ride the wave as it comes right in there. And yeah. there's a lot of learning, right? Mm-hmm. My, um, my daughter's just coming off a couple of days of hanging out consistently with this friend of hers. Um, two nights in a row of hanging out and they're getting to learn each other. It's like, oh, this does, is this annoying them? Does that, that's annoying me. I don't like this. Can I communicate that? And it's, it's like that heightened, wait, now we're doing everything together. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that you did your paperwork this way. I didn't know you were this way about clothing mm-hmm. and food. And, uh, and it's just learning all of these things. You're with another person mm-hmm. at the most intimate level mm-hmm. at all times. Mm-hmm. And, um, scary risky all of those words are true and beautiful because you chose that person uh and yeah that's what this idea of risk is it's associated with love is to love is to risk Mm -hmm. in many ways yeah and so that advice has obviously you know because we talk about it often but that advice has sort of um spread across how i look at life in most relationships at this point too Mm -hmm. and what it meant to me at that point is now it's different advice today yeah i mean the same words but i'm experiencing it much differently yeah um how so so in the last maybe four or five years i've been doing a lot of work on myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) right Mm -hmm. Uh, you know loving myself like that sort of thing knowing who i am really um Mm. stuff i like to do people who i want to be around and what makes me happy and and being able to receive love as well as give love have my own right and so yeah um you know that idea of risk in relationships sort of remains, but it's a little bit different now where at first the pressure was, can I be the perfect person for this other person? And now it's more as I become more of who I am. Yeah. Do I then risk the love of the people close to me? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is a major shift. Mm -hmm. It, It does happen when you start to love yourself more, right? That, you start to notice yourself in relationships more, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And maybe parts of yourself that you left out, mm-hmm. uh, parts of yourself that you want to show up more in uh, certain ways. And I, man, that's such a major shift at this stage of mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. that I think we have been going through at the same time, that same transformation. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed it in your in family relationships and, you know, relationships with other friends how has that shown up where you're people maybe uh maybe you're not as worried about how someone experiences you you're just like showing up as you Mm -hmm. and you know however the cards fall is how they're gonna fall is Mm -hmm. that kind of the way you're looking at it now yeah that's that's how i'm looking at it yeah um has it shown i keep a pretty tight circle My circle. You don't say. Yeah, my my circle's pretty tight, and and so I think that's always been that way, and so um, I'm I'm not too worried about it. But in the back of my mind, I have this idea that, um, you know. Well, I'll I'll speak from my own perspective mm. here, like so not how people are experiencing me, but how I'm experiencing it internally. Mm-hmm. So there are just things as I get to 
love myself more, to understand myself more, again, to become more of the person that I am, uncovering more of the person that I am, yeah. I do notice that there are more and more things that I'm less and less willing to do to please others. Mm, yes, I fully get that. Yeah. Yeah. And so there are, you know, for a lot of my life, like most people, I think, like, you know, you want the people around you to feel good. And so yeah. you... Yeah. You know, you find what that role is for you to make other people happy. Right. And you play that role. Right. And so as I mature, get older, uncover myself, it's like, eh, you know, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if I want to be telling jokes all the time. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if I really um, want to enter every room and try to sense who's off yeah. and go and make them feel good somehow. Yeah. And nobody asked me to do this. No. You just you, you right like no one's asking yeah. me to do this, but that's the role that I put myself in. Right, right. And as yes. I get older and mature, I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't. There's a couple reasons why I don't need to do that. Yeah. One, no one's eliciting that from me. Right. Like no one's asking me to walk in a room and sense who's sort of down and out and, and feeling bad and try to go cheer them up. Yeah. And two, that is really draining for me. Right. I can't do that all the time. It's, yeah. Um, I can't do the jokes all the time. Right. And so I I notice a difference in myself of not having to show up as um, what other people have come to known me to be yeah. in certain spaces. Right. And so, I, you know, no one's really said anything or reacted to me in any kind of different way. But I'm just sort of cognizant of the idea that as I become less of some things, yeah. those things that I become less of we're serving the needs of others and not yourself necessarily and not myself. And so they're yeah. going to maybe see less value in, in being around me right. because I'm not doing the things that I was doing before that were making them feel great. Yeah. Or even more, or they're getting more value because they'll be seeing you for who you are and mm -hmm. not, you know, who you, they thought they needed you to be or vice versa. I think that's really interesting because it doesn't mean that you're not going to do those things. It doesn't mean that you're going to walk into a room and never notice or check in. Like mm -hmm. if I'm struggling mm -hmm. and you see me one time, you might one time you mm -hmm. might pass it on by and do your own thing. And one, one time you might check. It's just knowing yourself and what you can handle in those moments. Right. Um, it doesn't mean what you, the way you participated in relationship before was not you at all. Right. It just means that now you're trying to see how you neglected yourself in those relationships. Mm -hmm. No, that's a, you just phrased that so perfectly, which is why um, I have shifted away from the word change when it comes to a person. Like, I, I don't know. Absolutely. It's, yeah. not, it's not change. It's no. sort of like noticing and observing things about yourself right. and honoring those things. Yeah. And that's like I switched over to uncovering <laughs> like who I am. Yeah, right? Like yeah, I'm not yeah. changing. No. No. Right? Like that's part, like you said, that's, right. those things are part of who I am. Otherwise I would have never done them. Exactly. Maybe a little too much. Yeah. And so yeah. like, I'm just noticing that if it's too much, okay, then there's this other part of me that I haven't explored. Right. Which also has value. Yeah. Which also should be explored. Yeah. And so that's uncovering a little bit more of who I am. I love that. Yeah. It's certain stages of life too, right? Mm -hmm. So I know that um, when we're younger, we're doing a lot of chameleon stuff. Mm -hmm. everybody mm -hmm. you know you're, you're just trying to fit like we're well not everybody i think a lot, some people have more confidence than than others but for us i know you're doing what you can to try to fit in where do i fit mm -hmm. what group am i with what are these people thinking about me and and that sticks for a while mm -hmm. 
Um, you get into the grind. You just start doing life. And then at some point, and it is a midlife thing sometimes where you're like, I just don't, this doesn't feel right to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and maybe that shift starts to happen and it becomes really difficult for people uh, to notice those things. Mm-hmm. And it becomes difficult for you to be like, I don't know what's going on with me, but mm-hmm. I know that there's some shifts occurring Uh and I think if I'm looking at my own situation, I remember feeling like straight up crazy mm-hmm. because I'm like, I just don't feel the same. Mm-hmm. And I'm noticing that that's problematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what do you do with that? Mm-hmm. And I, I think going back to that conversation about risk, it's just that knowing that that's going to be true for everybody. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to keep someone where they've been so that they can continue to fulfill that same purpose for you that they've fulfilled in the past, Mm -hmm. you risk the possibility of them growing and blossoming into something more beautiful Mm -hmm. that, you know, is more fulfilling than controlling them to be that thing that you might think you need. Right. If any of that made sense. I might have been (laughs) rambling there myself. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no... I do think that this is a stage of life. I I don't know that it follows a certain age, but definitely you and me sort of Mm -hmm. have been exploring this together for a few years now. Yeah. Um, And yeah, like it is, it's a crazy sort of like feeling because of we're conditioned that you're supposed to do something about everything that you uncover. Right. And that's more of the crazy part. So like I'm, I'm becoming more of this person. What do I do? What do I do? Yeah. And it's not... To do anything, you don't have to do anything, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, there's such power in, in just noticing and validating that you have d- uncovered this about yourself. Yeah, I love that. Don't do anything about it. Yeah, what's there to do about that? I know, right? The- that, yeah, that really puts a spin too on this whole. Um, I've really removed words like positive, negative, good, bad, and right and wrong from a, my vocabulary, which is a major shift for Christians. Mm-hmm. I will say those are cornerstones of what it means to be Christians mm-hmm. to use those words. Because shifts in uncovering what's going on inside is not good or bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not positive or negative. It's just life. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how, I guess how's that been for you? Like noticing your feelings. You've kind of been someone I've experienced as being in touch with your emotions mm-hmm. throughout my relationship to you. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed a shift in your feelings? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm have always been an intensely emotional person. Yes, whatever the emotion was, right. usually I, I feel it strongly. Um, and so, through this work and self discovery and um, what I do for work and and picking up things here and there, mm. the noticing of the emotions comes first. Yeah, notice it, notice it, notice it, notice it, notice it. Mm. Um, and I don't label other emotions they're there to alert us of things if you're yeah. angry there's something you needed to to be alerted to if yeah. you're feeling anxious there's something that you needed to be alerted to right sad you need to be alerted to something right, right. like so it's just a, a drawing something's going on yeah. if you're feeling an emotion right the struggle is is that we then try to do something on the back of that emotion. Yeah. I'm angry and now I'm going to solve this problem with this anger. I'm going to use this anger to solve this problem that I'm having. That's really good. Um, And so that rarely ends well Mm. um, for one or everyone involved. Right. Um, But what I started to do is just sort of notice that what I'm feeling. Mm. It's okay. Yeah. If I'm angry, it's okay. Yeah. I don't say uh, it's bad that I'm feeling angry. Yeah. I'm a human being 
And that's one of the emotions that we have in our toolbox, mm. right? Like when I'm sad, same thing. I've always related well to sadness for some reason. So <laughs> I, I don't necessarily run from that one. No. But you just notice it. The more I sort of noticed and just, okay, I'm, I'm pissed off. Such yeah. and such, you know, made me mad about yeah. this. And you don't have to do something about it. I don't have to do something about it. It's, you know, the emotion itself dissipates really quickly. Yeah. If you just notice it and then purposely not do anything yeah. with it yeah and then you know again what we think the right thing to do is is to act on behalf of the emotion mm. or i ride the wave of the emotion to get whatever it is that you need resolved in that moment right and it's like if you just notice it and let the emotion pass by you yeah you're not going to forget anything that happened no. and what caused those emotions you no. you can just then go and react with a calm mind yeah and get done what you need to get done without torturing yourself with trying to get it done through negative negative emotion right like or projecting those emotions onto someone else i feel like that's really powerful because we talk you know we're talking about risk um there's this song that we both love by brandon boyd called courage and control and it's talking about that it takes courage ultimately to do what you're talking about Mm -hmm. because you're being in relationship with yourself Mm -hmm. in a way that's risky. Mm -hmm. You're learning things about yourself. And for some people that are deep feelers Mm -hmm. um, and I think more with their gut than they do with their head. um, Like I think you and I tend to, Mm -hmm. um, it's one of those things where it's a a little bit risky to be loving yourself in a way you start to uncover some things Mm -hmm. about who you are and, and what, what, touches a certain nerve that it actually would be much nicer to control that Mm -hmm. just be like you know what i'd rather not feel that i'm gonna keep going with what was working before and ultimately (laughs) it didn't work before because it brought you to a place where you felt like something needs to be different (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) so control only gets you so far uh and i love like coming back to that thought of it is courageous to say you're free Mm-hmm. I'm free. Mm-hmm. Let's figure this out together because we choose to. Right. Yeah. And courage, yes. I w- to get started. Mm. It's it's really takes a lot of courage to do anything differently than you've been used to doing your entire life. Yeah, absolutely. And so yeah. I would say now it feels less brave to do this it's become just more of a way of being for me that i enjoy and Mm. i like and i find it more um i'm at peace more often um i don't typically get high on any emotional spectrum i can Mm. just sort of notice and it goes through and so just it's it's working out for me wow so it's less of an act of braveness at this point. Yeah. I give myself credit when I started down this road because yeah. that's a very scary thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it still carries that same risk. It still carries the risk of it yeah. as I uncover more and more. Like my hope is, you know, if it's working for me, I'm going to continue doing it. Yeah. The hope is I don't change to the degree where I stop meeting the needs of the people that I love. Yeah. Yeah. But my hunch is... Um, that if you're meeting your needs well, your own needs, mm-hmm. that that frees you up in a way to meet the needs of those you love in, a, in more significant ways, mm-hmm. in ways that isn't draining of yourself mm-hmm. 
And it feels like being reborn, for lack of a better word, which was the first uh, <laughs> name, name for Planet Weast. Yes, it was. <laughs> Shows how Christian we were at the yep. at the uh, beginning. Yeah, no, that's what it's about. Yeah. That's, that's really ultimately what I want my life to be about. And I also want um, everyone in my orbit for that to be what they want their lives <laughs> right. to be about too right, right like right. it happens to be what you want but yeah. you know not everyone wants that too and that that becomes something to manage yeah um you know not right. everyone you know this isn't something that you can prescribe to somebody no um it has to be something that someone comes across themselves or asking themselves certain questions and want to explore it for themselves and decide for themselves if they want to take that leap of faith right um and and again there's no right or wrong answer. Yeah. This is the way that I've chosen. Yeah. And the people that remain close to me are you and other yeah. people that I've known for 20 plus years that yeah. I still feel close to. And, and you know, thank God my, my wife is yeah. continues to be with me. Um, and that's what I want my life to be about. Right. I have an- another thought that's like popping up within me about vulnerability. Mm hmm. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about how this connects to Mm -hmm. vulnerability because Mm -hmm. you're discovering yourself more. You're being more conscious of your own feelings. Mm -hmm. What does it look like to be vulnerable with other people? Does it, is it still sort of the same, um, like fear around that? Or are Mm -hmm. you more like, no, I know who I am. And if you don't accept this, that's okay. Or do you still sort of carry around that? Like, I'm still not sure if you're okay with who I am, yeah. When I share deeply about what's what I care about, um, yeah, that's a sensitive spot for me, mm. uh, as it is for a lot of people. Yeah, rejection or you know, if I come up with these ideas, you're going to someone might be dismissive because they knew me from a bunch of years ago and aren't used to hearing me talk this way. Yeah, um, or a new person, and you know, just because you know, I'm not supposed to be thinking this way or you know this isn't what they were expecting from me like there's always like a fear that someone's not going to like you yeah um or or reject what you're saying or minimize what you're saying um and so yeah vulnerability is a tough thing which is why i you know i'm really careful where i do that Hmm. um and i don't have a problem being vulnerable i just know where i can be yeah and so I oh, u- I utilize yeah. those spaces. Yeah. I can talk to you about whatever I need right. to talk to you about. And right. I don't have to feel bad about that. Right. Um, and there are a lot of spaces where I have tried to do that before and was met with something less than what, you know, was life giving for me. Yeah. Right. And so I had to sort of <laughs> learn the hard way. And so, like, I just am not vulnerable there. Yeah. I think it's a part of my personal growth. I need to go there. Yeah. To examine what it is that I don't want to say. Mm. I, that's really tough to for me to do totally internally. Yeah. I, I just can't. So I have to say the thing. So there's got to be spaces for me to be vulnerable, right. to just express things. Right. Because that way I can sort of see it and get some feedback. Mm. I just have to be totally careful where I do that. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I understand that this is not a conversation that I can have with just anybody anywhere. Right. I, okay. Okay. So, and it just makes me think about when we were kids, right? So I remember when we were first friends and I'm, you said something about like, uh, my mom was picking me up from school and you're like, said something about how we were friends. It was vacation. And I was like, oh, we're friends. Mm. Um, and 
I was just kind of like so excited about that. Like, wait, he he likes me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like that that for me is like something that I'm not sure ever goes away. Mm. Uh, It's a funny thing to be like, I mean, why would you be so surprised that someone likes you Mm -hmm. if you're loving yourself? Mm -hmm. The truth is we're not necessarily Mm -hmm. very clear on what it means to like ourselves and be like, I think that I'm awesome. Mm -hmm. And of course he likes me. Mm -hmm. That would be called arrogance. Mm -hmm. But isn't that what we want for our kids? Don't we want our kids to be confident enough in themselves to be like, I think people, you know, (laughs) it's a fine line maybe. But, you know, as we get older, as we get older, um, that I hope to see that confidence more Mm -hmm. to show up in spaces and be like, yeah, this is who I am, and mm-hmm. I'm unapologetically me. Mm-hmm. And I think that I'm likable. I mm-hmm. think I hope you'll think so too. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that should come first. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. feel like that should come first. Yeah. And it is a fine line because we don't want to be raising, you know, narcissistic Narcissist. monsters either. So it's a fine line. Self between self-love and narcissism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that's actually what this call is, is is that but that's we have to find creative and loving ways to um, push, move that idea forward. Yeah. And so I do it with affirmations every night mm. with my kids. Yeah. Right. Right. And so Love I give a, a, a slew of affirmations and um, that's how we started this little uh, good night routine. So I'll give a slew of affirmations and they'll repeat after me. And then, you know, once they got used to that, like now I include them in it to make sure that it's not just, me facilitating this yeah what are your affirmations yes yeah. right you have one of the best nighttime routines i've ever seen because <laughs> we get together on some sunday nights and the kids will facetime you mm-hmm. and you'll just like go through it with I, it's so beautiful to me um just like seeing you as a dad but just that part of what you're instilling in them mm-hmm. of just yeah it's really important for you to see these traits in yourself that you can rest on and be like i don't know i'm I'm not what people say about me, mm-hmm. especially as we go through the tougher points of life where you might feel like people are looking at you and thinking negatively of you. It's important to be able to rest on your yourself and say, no, I, I know I can do this. Mm-hmm. I know I've got this ability. I know I'm this. I have this part of my character mm-hmm. to rest on. I think that's really huge. And yeah, I, I have definitely incorporated some of those things into uh, my own kids bedtime routines as yeah. well. Yeah, so when I think about why we do that with our kids at night, like what would you say is the goal? I would say the goal is to have them notice themselves. Mm, that's good. That's the goal. <laughs> that's, that's good. um i think the best thing that i think i want to do for my kids as they grow into this world is not be another like preaching like you Mm. you need to this with this you need to do it this way i don't want to do that even though i i value what i think i have to say (laughs) um but i think it's equally important to just have them notice themselves and don't punish them or, or react to their emotions. Don't demonize them having emotions. Yes. It's very, very important. And the more ways that you can be clever as a parent to just validate when they notice themselves. Mm. No, you notice. Yeah. you When they notice themselves, right. we have to notice and say something. 
Man, that's so good. I was having this conversation with Ollie today. We went for a walk around the circle near my house because he was having some real, like he was getting really angry. And I know, I don't, <clears throat> I don't often do this, but I'll, you know, I'll always tell him like, it's okay. he'll notice he's angry. He'll say it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll be like, yeah, of course it's okay to be angry. And instantly in my head, even though I don't say it, mm-hmm. but I, I noticed it, but is the next word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like you say, yeah, it's okay to be angry, but it shifts the whole thing mm-hmm. when you say it's okay to be angry mm-hmm. and you stop there mm-hmm. and then you ask them, you know, more questions. Mm-hmm. You just let them have their time to notice mm-hmm. rather than going to solution mode. Because who, mm-hmm. even as an adult, mm-hmm. can experience big emotions around other people mm-hmm. and be told, yeah, it's okay for you to feel this way, but don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't do that with that emotion. Mm-hmm. Even an adult doesn't want to hear that. Never mind an eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I totally agree. There's ways, there's workarounds. I'm, I have yeah. another word that I've um, eliminated from my vocabulary yeah. is but, unless I really yeah, mean but, that's right? good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there are, today, Aiden was um, really upset. We were going to go for a, a day trip and we interrupted something that he was really wanting to do and he was like upset about it. Yeah. And it's like, okay. You know, you upset, bud? Yes. Mm. Okay, you're upset. And we're still going. (laughs) Right? So (laughs) that that doesn't diminish what he was feeling. Like, we're still valid. It's okay. Like, I'm not telling you to not be upset. Yeah. But I'm your dad. Yeah. And and, and so it's not, but we're going. Yeah. But sort of insinuates. We don't care. I don't care that you're upset. It doesn't doesn't matter matter. you're upset. We're going. Yeah. You're upset, but we're going. that's you're huge. upset yeah i'm upset okay it's okay to be upset and we planned a trip and we're gonna go man that butt word yeah. is is huge yeah i have replaced but for the most part with and it's still there mm-hmm. it's still in my head because mm-hmm. that's it takes a long time to switch that one mm-hmm. and <laughs> but, <it's not> but. <laughs> but no it's it's always there it's mm-hmm. always like but mm-hmm. and ultimately what you're doing with that word you know, words are really important, right? Mm-hmm. What you're doing with that word is, in some ways, diminishing what you right. previously previously said. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't... Whatever came before the but is less important than what you put after the but. You stick an and where you would have said but, they're just both true. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen I hope this conversation inspired some new thoughts or questions within you. And I hope you enjoyed the music on this podcast because it was written by Manny Andrade. Uh, And I hope he releases this song at some point. Uh, But until next time, as always, peace, my friends.